Yes, I that's not, that's not evil. Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. Well, I have to say that because Saint Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of the Don't don't use those kinds of slurs. Fighting for the gay disco. There are no slurs here. Definitely, our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they. That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw to be. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello. Welcome to another episode of EMJ Live. Beautiful spring day, midwinter spring in South Bend, Indiana. And the big news this week was Senate hearings on Facebook. What is this about? Uh, it's hard to tell. Okay. It seems, uh, I don't know. There's a clip here. We're going to run it of uh, Zuckerberg, Mr. Zuckerberg, apologizing for something. results may contain images of child sexual abuse and then you gave users two choices get resources or see results anyway mr zuckerberg what the hell were you thinking in what sane universe is there a link for see results anyway well because we might be wrong let me ask you this there's families of victims here today have you apologized to the victims would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I'm 
families that have suffered. And this is why we invested so much and are going to continue doing industry big efforts to uh, to make sure that no one has to go through the types of things that your families have had to suffer. It was more on today's hearing is Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. Senator, good to see you. Um, there are very specific scams and and ways to entrap young people. I don't think everybody in America is fully aware of this, sextortion being one of them. Uh, can you explain how dangerous this is and what is out there and, and the impact it's having on kids so everyone really gets this? Oh, it, it's, it's having an incredible impact on kids, Sean. And I mean, teenagers, listen, I, I'm the father of three kids. None of them are teenagers yet, thank goodness. But if you're a teen, I mean, here's some stats. Young girls, teenage girls between the ages of 13 and 15 on Instagram, 37% of them saw nudity on the platform, unwanted, sent to their accounts within the first seven days of being on the platform. 25% of them within seven days, Sean, were propositioned sexually by an adult man. I mean, just think about this. These are girls between the ages of 13 and 15. That data, by the way, comes from Facebook. That's their own internal data. This is a company that has profited off of the exploitation of kids, the exploitation of minors. And now it's time for the. Okay. I think we got a, a vague idea of what's going on here. Facebook is involved in the uh, solicitation. I asked some uh, friends uh, who, what's going on here. Uh, I'm not on Facebook uh, personally. I have someone else uh, doing that channel for me, sending me the information. I don't know what's coming in response, uh, but someone told me that uh, the moment they got on Facebook, they started getting solicitations uh, via email. Um, it's what, what we need to do is put this in, in perspective here. Uh, we're talking, we're focusing on a very specific issue here and we're ignoring the biggest issue of all, which is basically that, uh, why is pornography on the internet to begin with? Why is that? Uh, this, this happened a long time ago. It happened 30 years ago with something called the Communications Decency Act, which, uh, happened under Bill Clinton. It was just when the internet was just getting started around 1992 and basically, it made any platform immune from any type of prosecution for obscenity uh, uh, and other things like that. At that point, the uh, pornography took off and it became uh, ubiquitous, gone through a number of phases, okay? Uh, but the problem now is that uh, you don't have to uh, log on to an X-rated website in order to suddenly be confronted with pornography. This is precisely the problem that uh, we're facing here. And it looks as if uh, Zuckerberg is up to his eyeballs in this, although it's hard to tell from his apology. What's he apologizing for? I, I couldn't tell by listening to him. Uh, there's something bad that has happened to families. Well, it turns out that the something bad is basically um, my okay it's concentrating on minors okay which is itself a kind of aberration okay but some okay it's bad but the the whole idea is bad it's not just because it's minors it's bad in general so what happens here is um a young person goes on to facebook uh there is some type of solicitation of um uh photos uh, photos uh naked uh of, of let's say it's a boy 
Uh, he sends those photos to what he thinks is a girl of something of the same age. Let's say they're both uh, 14, 15, something like that. It turns out that that 13-year-old girl is uh, a Nigerian uh, adult who is basically collecting material like this for blackmail. So then the Nigerian gets back to him and says, uh, you got to send me money or else I'll make this public. Uh, the kid uh, is totally bewildered, doesn't know what to do, feels trapped and commits suicide. This is one of the stories that's come out of this thing. This is, this is bad. Obviously, this is bad. But uh, where did all this come from? Where, 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 let's say, where do these uh, solicitation videos come from? Well, people uh, compose them. And one of the main places they compose them is on OnlyFans. Now, OnlyFans is where you can post pictures of yourself uh, naked and get someone to pay for them. And the word has gotten out. You can make millions of dollars every month simply by having people uh, click on your links and so on and so forth. So a lot of people got involved. They thought, wait, hey, this is easy money. I know I told the story of a, 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 an Iranian lawyer who had a really good figure and decided she could make more money on OnlyFans than she could as a lawyer. And that's what she did. Okay, uh, that success story has lured lots of people into this, and the results are not particularly happy. If you you can look into this, uh, but what we have here is a, a connect a, a kind of conveyor belt here, where one uh, group of people with plausible deniability will then uh, channel other people. You can go on. There's a link. I just just found it doing research for today, where advice on how to. Uh, get your OnlyFans page advertised on Facebook. So there's obviously a connection. Uh, Zuckerberg knew about this stuff, according to Josh Hawley. He did nothing to impede it. And so what you have is a network here. So, okay, Facebook uh, to OnlyFans. Well, who's in charge of OnlyFans? Well, we found that out recently. Uh uh, here we have one story uh, from a group that is probably sympathetic to what they're saying. It turns out that the the uh, owner of OnlyFans, can you see the guy's name there? I forget I forget the guy's name. But anyway, uh, he's a Jew. Oh, wait a minute. Zuckerberg's a Jew too. Oh, wait a minute. I, I got into a lot of trouble when I wrote an article about 20 years ago saying Jews controlled pornography. There was a guy by the name of Luke Ford who made a name for himself, and it good story got out. Uh, I wrote it up. That led to me writing my book, uh, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political... No, actually, we got it backward. That I wrote the book, Libido Dominandi, before that, then I, uh, I wrote this book about Jewish involvement in pornography, and that led to me writing The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. Uh, because uh, this is an open secret. There was a professor, okay, by the name of Nathan Abrams, uh, uh, who wrote a book in the Jewish Quarterly in uh, England. He's a professor in England. And uh, in that article, he said, everything I said... <laughs> It's close to plagiarism, but uh, he did cite me as the source. Basically, everything he wrote about is something that I mentioned in my article on Rabbi Dresner's dilemma, which ended up in the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Um, but there's one change he made. Whenever I said it was bad, the Jewish professor said it was good because pornography is a Jewish sacrament. 
I'll take it back to one of the crucial moments uh, in pornography history when Catherine McKinnon and Andrea Dworkin suddenly launched this movement, uh, against, a feminist against pornography. It came out in the 90s. Everyone was kind of shocked by this. And it came to a crisis. It looked as if the feminists were going to have uh, joined up with the uh, the right wingers. At that time, it was the George H. W. Bush administration who had a prosecutor who was going after obscenity, and the man, the lady who broke it up was none other than Betty Friedan, Betty Goldstein Friedan, and she said pornography is okay if you're a feminist. Well, why was that? Well, because she's Jewish. And she's defending the Jewish sacrament of pornography, which was related to the Jewish sacrament of abortion and so on and so forth. Because when a push comes to shove, blood run is thicker than water. Okay, so I wrote the book. I wrote two books, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. Sexual liberation is a form of political control. I've been saying this for 20 years now. Now lots of people are saying it. Some of them give me credit. Some don't. But the word is out, and once it's out, it's not going to go back because Logos is rising. Logos is always rising, and this is part of the consciousness that has come about. And a lot of people who were totally addicted uh, to pornography and masturbation heard the concept. Maybe they read the book, and they started acting on it by, by uh, refraining from these bad habits, breaking these bad habits, and it got so bad during NoFap November, that Rolling Stone, the same magazine we just quoted, wrote an article saying that these people were bad people. And you know what the ultimate uh, curse, uh, uh, definition of a bad person is? Yes, they said it. These people are anti-Semites. Almost admitting what I said, which is basically that pornography is a Jewish sacrament, along with abortion and sodomy and gay marriage and usury and all the other type of stuff that is wrecking our country. So let's get back to my idea of a form of control. What do we have here now? We have one of the main purveyors of pornography now, intimately implicated with uh, Facebook and the, uh, uh, the, 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 the crimes that are being committed, which the Senate is uh, talking about now. And if, uh, as, that, as Hawley continued talking to Sean Hannity, he started, uh, Hawley started saying, you know, we're going to sue them. Uh, uh, we're, we're not going to take this anymore. Okay, wait a minute. Stop. What, what, did, what was that story about? OnlyFans gave $11 million to IPAC, the American-Israel Political Action Committee. What does IPAC do with that money? They have announced they are going to spend $100 million on the upcoming uh, election cycle. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So, OnlyFans is sending $11 million to IPAC. IPAC is going to take that, uh, add $90 million to that, and then turn around and finance the campaigns of all of those people who are talking in the Senate. Senator Cruz, Senator Hawley, I don't know whether they get money from IPAC. I'm assuming everybody gets money from IPAC. If you refuse to take money from IPAC, you end up like Cynthia McKinney, and you have a one, one term in the House of Representatives, and you're gone. 
You have to take money from IPAC because if you don't, they will remove you from office. They have veto power over every single political office in this country. Oh, wait a minute. So now it's starting to, we're starting to see the pattern. Why don't we see this pattern? It's one reason. There is one reason why you can have this people hiding out in plain sight and they can do it with impunity and they'll never be uh, obstructed in what they're doing. And the main reason is you cannot say the word Jew. If you say the word Jew, you're an anti-Semite. And if you're an anti-Semite, you will be banned from polite company and they will never, you will never be let back in again. Well, why is this so important? Because if you can't say the word Jew, you cannot link up Zuckerberg and the Jew who's the head of OnlyFans, who is giving money to IPAC, which is sending the money back into the Senate to make sure that nobody criticizes the Jews in the Senate. That's, it's that simple. Oh, it goes farther than that, too. If we want to take a, a further example, uh, we've got a rabbi. Solomon Freeman, who owns Pornhub. What's a rabbi doing owning Pornhub? Now, Pornhub, by the way, is uh, notorious for publishing uh, videos of children being raped uh, and not taking them down, Won't refuse to take them down until something bad happened. And then they had to, they had, were back to a wall and they started taking them down. But in many ways, Pornhub is an obsolete uh, pornography technology because you have to log on to a porn site and that doesn't look good. Okay. With, with, uh, Twitter, with Facebook, uh, you can log on to porn sites and nobody will know the difference because you're going to be assaulted by porn, whether you like it or not on those platforms. This is a scandal. This is a scandal, and there's no reason why it should continue. The only reason why it continues is because nobody in that Senate chamber can say the word Jew. It's that simple, because they're all on the take from the Jewish pornographers that are sending money to IPAC to keep the Senate under control. It's that simple. So you have Josh Hawley again. Uh, you know, uh, you know, up up front kind of guy. He uh, made a name for himself before uh, by bringing in uh, Anthony Blinken and said to the Secretary of State, "You're not doing your job properly." Okay, and he backed him to the wall. And what did Anthony Blinken say? You all know it. I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, and that got him off the hook because you can't take it any further than that. And then he brought uh, Merrick Garland in. And then Merrick, he said to Merrick Garland, uh, why are you prosecuting pro-lifers in Pennsylvania? Why are you not going after real crimes? And Merrick Garland says, well, why are you prosecuting conservative Catholics? He mentioned that list that showed up uh, in the uh, office, FBI office in Richmond, Virginia. I'm on that list. I'm the reason for that list, for things that I've already uh, explained here. Okay. And Mayorkas doesn't know what, to, I'm sorry, not Mayorkas, Garland doesn't know what to say. His name is really Garfinkel, doesn't know what to say. So what does he say when it really gets hot, when you can see him sweating, you know, and he's kind of, tust, you know, doesn't know what to say. He says, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. And that ends the discussion. 
And then Hawley brings in Mayorkas, who's head of Homeland Security, who's responsible for the southern border, which is as, as porous, it's, it's like a sieve because the Democrats want to allow all these illegal immigrants into places like California, so they all vote Democrats and shift the demographics of America, which the Jews have been doing for a long time, ever since in the 1965 immigration bill. Thanks to Jacob Javits and Emanuel Sellers, the two Jews who were the sponsors of that, they wanted to eliminate, um, what should I say, Northern Europeans? Flood this country with people who have no connection to any of the people who are here because that leads to atomization and individualization. And Mayorkas cannot defend himself. And when it becomes apparent that he cannot defend himself, what does he say? I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. Okay, we are going to have to break this logjam. Okay, because the entire government now is controlled by this a group of people, the Biden's minion, 457 Jews who control the Biden administration, is only the tip of the iceberg because IPAC controls the entire Congress. And the only, the, the, we don't know. We, by the grace of God, we will escape from this. By the grace of God, our company, our country will come back uh, and be, can't be, be, become what it once was, even though it's got a long checkered history. Uh, but there's only one way back. And that means that we have to have the courage to say the word Jew. It's not Zionist. It's not secularizing activists. As Archbishop Chapu tried to say in First Things, it's not neocons. As Colonel McGregor and Tucker Carson continue to insist, okay, it's Jews. We have to say that because if we don't say that, nothing makes sense. If we do say it, we suddenly stand, well, there's Zuckerberg, uh, and he's working with the Jew who's the head of OnlyFans, and the Jew who's the head of OnlyFans is sending $11 million to IPAC, and IPAC is controlling the Congress. Sexual liberation is a form of political control. How many times do I have to say this? If you don't know it, please go to fidelitypress.org and buy my book, Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. Because that's the book that everyone else is reading. That's the book that explains the whole thing from beginning to end. That's the book that will allow you to win any argument because you have the facts at your disposal. Between that and the Jewish revolutionary spirit, we can make headway in dealing with this political crisis. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. Hello. This is uh, the voice of Mike Bajakis, uh, Dr. Jones' assistant. Uh, quick rules for those who are new. Actually, looks like in our chat, there's a good number of you. Thanks for joining us here at EMJ Live. Um, Collins are made via our Telegram channel. Uh, link in description for wherever you're watching. Uh, in Telegram, I will call on those who raise their hands. And then later in the stream, I'll read off uh, the chat. Uh, that's uh, in uh, the various uh, platforms we have. Uh, try to keep questions on subject. Try to keep to one question at a time. Be respectful of time and do not forget to unmute yourself. It's very important. All right, time for me to jump to Telegram. And who do we got first? Uh, Steve O. Go ahead, Steve O. 
Dr. Jones, can you Hello. hear me? Yes, I can. Quick question. I'm trying to get copies of Logos Rising and the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit in Spanish to a seminarian I know in Mexico. What's the easiest way to do that? Contact us at fidelitypress.org and we will get you a Spanish edition. Uh, or you, if you, if that's too difficult, uh, go go to, you can call us uh, at our number or you can, con- our number is 574-289-9786 during business hours. Or you can contact me at jones at culturewars.com. But we have copies and we can send them out to your friend. Awesome. And another, not so much a question, but observation, really just kind of confirming um, what you tend to say about Augustine and our sin blinding us. Are you familiar with the incident that happened with James O'Keefe and his undercover work recently? No, tell me. Well, there was a homosexual working for high-level intelligence. And James O'Keefe is an investigative journalist who goes undercover on a fake date with this man with nothing but glasses on as his disguise. And so there's all these memes and all these jokes coming out of how this journalist was able to fool this high-level intelligence guy with just a pair of glasses. But in my mind, that lines perfectly with what you say about sexual deviance just having a blinding effect on you that's right. And it was just, I know again, I, it's lockstep with everything else you've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. I know a man, a, a local man who uh, was led into a trap that landed him in prison. He had political ambitions. He, and he got uh, decided he's going to take on the democratic machine here. And uh, they knew his weaknesses and he walked right into a trap and he ended up in prison. Okay. The trap was some woman, you know, and uh, she then testified against him and that was the end of him. So remember this, this the story of Samson and Delilah. It's on the cover of Libido Dominandi. What happened to uh, Samson? They couldn't beat him in battle, but he really had an eye for Delilah and uh, that eye didn't last long. She gouged out his eyes. And that's the symbolic expression of the fact that lust makes you blind. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for your work and thank you for your time. You're welcome. Okay, next we got Alejandro uh, Herrera. Go ahead, Alejandro. Hello, Dr. Jones. Hello. How are you, sir? Uh, I wanted to make a comment uh, on the things that happened in Mexico in the 90s. There is a a journalist called Lydia Cacho, who wrote a book called Demons uh, of the Eden, in which she uh, dismantled a teenage uh, prostitution web, which of course was tied to uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. And not only in the US, but also in Mexico, we have the case of the Jewish revolutionary spirit, uh, well, compromising the politicians uh, and that as well is connected with the narco-traffic uh, because the cartels uh, in that time used to uh, fly the teenagers from Colombia to Cancun and then to Cancun to the Virgin Islands. Uh, so uh, I'm very impressed how this evil uh, spirit can reach uh to the deepest uh, uh, in uh, in most of the countries. Yes. And of course, it's linked to uh, the situation we are seeing with uh, Superberg 
uh, because not only the U.S. Uh, is compromised, but also the people in Latin America. I'm afraid right. of the whole world. No, I, it's everybody has the same weakness. We all have the same weakness, and uh, that's that's precisely what I'm talking about. If you need, uh, what what do you think? What were what were they thinking? What was Alan Dershowitz thinking that no one would ever find out that he can lie his way through this because he has Jewish privilege? Okay, he was blind. He was blinded by lust and he was led into a trap. What was Prince Andrew thinking? He was blinded by lust and he was led into a trap. What's the trap? Oh, it's just my friend Jeffrey and he's got bedrooms upstairs and they gave me a massage and blah. There are cameras in every single room in that building. What do you think those cameras are there for? Another example before uh, Epstein. Epstein was, that was a Jewish operation from top to bottom. When Epstein got caught the first time, uh, uh, they the, they got him off uh, with a slap on the wrist. And the, the, uh, the lawyer whose name uh, 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 escapes me at this moment got an award from the ADL for getting a Jewish criminal off the hook. That's what the ADL is there for. They started with Leo Frank, who was a man who was a child molester and a murderer, and they've gone all the way up to Jeffrey Epstein with lots of stops in between. That's what it's there for. The It's not new. The man who did this before was Hugh Hefner. <laughs> there was a series on uh, Hugh Hefner not too long ago on Netflix, and it comes out that there's cameras in every room of the Playboy Mansion. Well, why is that? Well, because you get these influential people there, you get them compromised sexually, then you blackmail them. It's not new. Kinsey was a blackmailer. J. Edgar Hoover was a, the biggest blackmailer in Washington. It all revolves around the fact that you, uh, you are blinded by your lust and you don't see that you're being led into a trap. That's how sexual liberation as political control works. Uh, and if I may ask a, a quick question as well, uh, many writers uh, in veterans today, including journalists, claim that they derive from narco-traffic and prostitution is used uh, to fund and sponsor the terrorism uh, of the American empire. Do you agree with that? Well, wasn't that the whole point of uh, what happened what was what was it called uh, in in the eighties? Uh, well, anyway, what happened here? Uh, yes, I agree. What happened here is that uh, uh, Jimmy Carter got elected president, and his job was to break up the CIA into a thousand pieces. Kennedy tried that, John Kennedy, and they killed him because he tried that. Uh, so Jimmy tried it, and uh, George H. W. Bush. Uh, recruited all these people and basically got him run out of office by bribing the Ayatollah Khomeini. But what happened at a certain point is they ran out of them. <clears throat> they were money was uh, scarce. And so the CIA got involved in drug, drug trafficking. They made movies about it. It was the golden triangle in Vietnam. They were using planes to fly the drugs back here. So yeah, there's an obvious connection between uh, drugs and, uh, and, and terrorism. Thank you, Dr. Jones. You're uh, welcome. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Next, uh, we have Brother Michael. Go ahead, Brother. Nope. Can't hear you. Your mic's working. Hello. Uh, did you did you tell him how to get on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he should... You know, he's, he's where he's at. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And he hit the unmute button. But for some odd reason, we can't hear you. So you, 
Oh, well, well, in case he can hear us, keep keep trying because uh, I wanted to talk to him. Uh, uh, Monk Mikael is a, an Estonian. I met him in uh, when I was in uh, Norway uh, at the monastery that Father Robert used to run there. Uh, interest guy who has a lot of interesting things to say about video games, uh, which are completely alien to me because I, I have never played one. And they, when I was a teenager, they didn't exist. So, if you can get back on, I I, I would like to be able to discuss that with you. There we are. Yeah, it looks like everything's working on your end. Just um, uh, go ahead. Uh, it's probably a mic on your end that's not working. Go ahead. There's type, by the way, there's the picture question. of uh, the the monastery oh, in Norway. Oh, no. Oh, that's neat. Beautiful picture. Uh, it, that that uh, building was constructed by uh, Monk Seraphim, another Estonian who was living there with Father Robert in Norway. It's it's a, one of the architectural wonders of Norway, and carpenters come from all over the country to find out how Monk Seraphim built it. Wow, must be a beautiful uh, background there. Yeah, just just uh, type in your question, and uh, we'll read it off later on, brother. Thanks. Okay, let's see. Um, let's do another brother here, Joseph Brothers. Uh, go ahead, Joseph Brothers. Hey, Dr. Jones, how are you? Uh, I've done several interviews with you, and I appreciate that. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you, when you brought up the Epstein Island stuff, how is it possible that these super intelligent, super cagey, super sneaky, yes, full of lust, I understand, don't know cameras in these rooms? Don't know that they're going to be blackmail. It's what I said. I mean, lust, lust makes you blind. You don't want to know. You, Aquinas said it's like the lion who is now ready to pounce on his play, prey. His appetite has him focused on one thing. He ignores everything else. You blot out everything. You don't want to know about it. If, if, if you told them, they'd probably say you were crazy. Lust makes you blind. Your passion blinds you and you walk right into a trap. Uh, how how does that happen? Ask Alan Dershowitz. Ask Prince Andrew. They they they'll tell you. Maybe they don't know themselves. Yeah, but it just seems like these people are cagey enough to know that that it, it is a danger to them. Don't aren't they? Well, they're, they look now. You you're talking at all. You're talking about a very specific group of people. You're talking about masters of the universe, and a lot of whom have Jewish privilege. And they, Jewish privilege means that you're above the law. It's that simple. You and the fat happened with Jeffrey Epstein the first time around. He got a slap on the wrist. He had a, a was put up in a hotel somewhere. He could have girls visiting him whenever he wanted, uh, because the Jewish lawyer, in collaboration with the ADL, got him a, a light sentence. That leads to a kind of arrogance, and the arrogance simply compounds the blindness that comes from your lust. So maybe that explains it think that uh something like this happened to rush limbaugh because i remember listening to rush when he was very good um everything was like tight he was really going after the clintons and all of a sudden he spends uh a night at the white house at uh with george hw bush's white house and all of a sudden he turns neocon he turns bomb bomb bomber and uh do you, do you remember this? Uh, I do. I, I do remember a change because Rush Limbaugh used to, when he first started, he used to talk about abortion and that suddenly dropped down the memory hole. He stopped talking about abortion. Then he was, uh, I, look, I, I don't know whether these articles are true, but he was stopped. There was an article. He's coming back from the Virgin Islands. He stopped by customs and he got a bottle of Viagra in his luggage. I mean, it could be false or it could be true. 
but I, I just, I have the sense that this is what happened. He had, uh, got married a couple of times. Uh, he had women, you know, going after him. Maybe some of them were spies. Maybe some of them got uh, compromat on the guy. I don't know, but I think you're, I think it's a plausible explanation of what happened to him because he just became a kind of monotonous hack uh, advocating whatever the uh, establishment at uh, Washington wanted him to advocate. Right, it's true. Okay, well, thank you, Dr. Jones. I look forward to doing an interview with you again in the future. Is there a new way to get in touch with you? or is it, uh... Yeah, go to jones at culturewars.com. That's the simplest way to reach me. Jones okay. at culturewars.com. All right, and God bless and uh, happy epiphany. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, so we're going to try brother again, the other brother. Go ahead, brother. Michael. Don't forget to hit the unmute button. Okay. No? Yeah, Mika, brother. Monk Mikael. That seems to work. Praise be Jesus Christ, Mike. I'm happy to hear you. Good to hear from you. Yes, finally got it working. The video games is a very long subject, but uh, I had a specific uh, question. Okay. Uh, I have now studied uh, your book, Monsters from the Eat. have listened to it thoroughly and even twice. And there is something which uh, I have looked at some movies and uh, and the computer game storylines that I used to play when I was a fallen away Catholic kid. And I noticed that um, there is a similar storyline that seems to repeat in them. And I think in a lot of other uh, movies also, which they make, and I wonder what is behind this. It seems to be something like from the body snatchers, but not quite. Uh, what, what seems to be is that they make this uh, uh, like in the in the computer game Starcraft, which is certainly based on the alien movie, that the aliens capture human beings and then they infest them and they turn them into monsters. The, and then uh, the good characters have no other uh, choice to do except they have to kill those monsters. But the, it is like the distinction between what is the monster and what is the person is blurred out. Because we know in real life that when an evil spirit possesses a person, it is not the person itself, it is an outside entity. Yes. But in the fictional uh, sci-fi and uh, fantasy movies and literature, it is blurred out. And what uh, also is very frequent phenomena, as I see it uh, repeated in, in different uh, fantasy and sci-fi genres. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I think... Let's look, say that... No, I think... It, it, it is... Yeah. I think, I, I, first of all, uh, you can begin, this is all in by the book, The Monsters from the Id, by the way. So if you, you mentioned uh, the body snatchers, the invasion of the body snatchers was an early uh, film that came out in the early 1950s. And it was a time when nobody knew what was going on. The CIA was involved in all sorts of weird stuff. Everybody had the suspicion that something was not right, that something had happened after the war, and nobody knew how to how to explain it. And so they came up with this fiction of the uh, the, the body snatchers. Uh, so it looks like Uncle George mowing the lawn, but he's been taken over, and he's been turned into something else, and, and then suddenly everybody's taken over. This is what was happening to America at that time. It was being taken over. 
uh, and we understood, we didn't know who was responsible for it because it was a kind of psychological warfare that we had no way of understanding at that point. The World War II has just ended. We understood warfare as, you know, German tanks fighting American tanks, that type of thing. This was completely different and nobody could understand it. And so the, the science fiction people got in and came up with the invasion of the body snatchers. Now, if you go up about five years after that, you have uh, Forbidden Planet which is another really important film. And this gets to the heart of what you're saying about how it's inside of you. Uh, that's exactly the, the point of uh, Forbidden Planet. So there, there, there is this force out there that is very destructive. Nobody, nothing can seem to stop it. And so they're in this building and it's, 90, the door is made out of 19 inches of Krell metal and suddenly the monster comes through. And at that point, Dr. Morbius said, well, it's because it's you. It's your disordered passions. It's called monsters from the id. He actually uses that quote. And that's the quote that I took, uh, took from the book. I think that's where, that's where that idea of subversion from within comes from. And so you take it one step after that and you have Alien, which is the same story. You know, uh, 20 years after that, you have Alien, and it's even more uh, obvious in Alien 2, which Sigourney Weaver took over. It's obvious that this movie is about fertility. It's obvious. I have looked at all those movies, Mike. So now, thanks to you, I studied those. But can you explain to me this, um, which I see repeatedly also, that... Uh, there is, uh, let's say, there is a good character who is basically a good character, really good. And suddenly he's put under a spell or kidnapped by the aliens and then he's turned into a monster. And then the only chance that the good characters have now is to kill that monster. But usually before the end, you know, just before the mon monster is mortally wounded, then suddenly this person who is inside that monster comes out and asks, you know, please kill me. And this is supposed to be the release. And uh, well, that's, so then that's the hero alien. kills I, the monster and later struggles with the guilt, even late, though he's late, supposedly with the good thing. Later he does this what? This happens repeatedly. Hmm? What does later, he... later he struggles with the he feeling of guilt. Guilt. That even okay. though his, his friend turned a monster and he had no other chance except to kill him, and the friend in the end, before the, he, he died, this monster, he, he actually thank you for releasing me or, or, or please kill me and please end it. And then the hero kills the monster and, but later uh, the hero still feels guilty. Yeah. Well, he's, project this is something he, which he's, he's projecting it onto some, he's projecting his own uh, uh, evil on, onto someone else. You can't, you can't eradicate evil from, from the human being. You can control it through by controlling your passions, but you can't eradicate it. Because the whole point of the Alien series as it goes on is that uh, if you're going to eradicate evil, you're going to destroy yourself. You're going to kill yourself. And so that's, it's obvious that uh, Alien 2 is about abortion. Sigourney Weaver, I don't know, she brought that into the thing. It's obvious that that's about it. I think it's also obvious uh, in the other, the first one in a more cryptic way. But uh, I think the it, it can also go back to uh, uh, Dracula, uh, which I also cover in this book, which is basically that uh, you are transmitting the disease that is creating the monsters. Dracula is about syphilis. Anyway, 
thanks, thanks for contributing to the discussion. I really would like to talk to you at some point or other about uh, StarCraft and video games, but we'll have to do it another time because I have no understanding of, of how that works. But thanks for calling. Okay, thanks, brother, a lot. Moving on here, let's go to George R. Go ahead, George. Oop, another mic problem. We can't hear you. Can't hear you. Is your mic on? It looks like it's on from our end, so it's probably you gotta figure figure the app out. Maybe we'll get back to you. Okay. Uh, let's see, Christy Rippinger. Go ahead, Christy. Hi, Dr. Jones. Hello. Uh, first, I'd like to thank you for all the work that you did on Medjugorje and your book. Um, I went to Medjugorje when I was 14 in 1989. And I had an experience when I was there. And I just thought it was because I, I was a wretched person. Um, but you were the only one for years. I'd never heard anyone talk about Medjugorje the way that you did um, before you. Um, I, I think you're the only one for many, many years. And after you, after I read your book, everything made sense. And I just want to thank you for that. But my question is, and, and if you've written about this in, in a book, I, I haven't read the Jewish revolutionary spirit yet. I did sign up for subscribe for culture wars and I have some of your other books, but do you have an opinion on all of the Jewish ritual murder saints of the Orthodox and Catholic Church who are no longer saints, at least according to the Catholic Church? Yeah, it's in the Jewish revolutionary spirit. You can talk, uh, I get to the rituals, the so-called ritual murders uh, in Russia in the 19th century at the, at the end of the book, toward the end of the book. Uh, but in the toward the beginning, we uh, there's a whole chapter on Saint John Capistran, who was traveling around preaching a retreat, preaching a revival uh, in Bohemia, and he uh, was dragged into a trial where it was a rabbi who was accused of uh, murdering young some boy uh, for taking taking his blood. Now Greats knew about this trial, and he said, you know, you know, got upset and started freaking out, calling. Uh, John St. John Chrysostom, an anti-Semite, but it was true. Uh, the trial was a legitimate trial. Uh, in the middle of the trial, the rabbi's daughter informed on him. She broke down and she informed on the father and they went to the cellar and there were the bones. They dug into the cellar. The bones were there. So the guy was convicted. So yeah, there's, there's a, this is not a canard as uh, Heinrich Graetz or as the ADL would like to say. No, if you look into it, you find that there is some factuality behind it. Oh, yeah, I totally so. But I'm disappointed in our Catholic Church for removing at least St. Simon Trent, I think it is, and and other ones, at least removing well, them from St. Jo join, join the club. There's a line that goes all the way around the block here of people who are disappointed in the Catholic Church. And I have to, I'm in that line myself sometimes, uh, so I understand where you're coming from, but uh, my my story there is, you know, uh, think of Christ in the asleep in the boat because that's the situation. The storms are ready to destroy the boat. We're all ready to go down. We're scared, and we rush and wake Christ up, and He says, "Where's your faith?" 
And then he calms the storm and everything's okay. So we wait for Jesus Christ to calm the storm. What we don't do is jump out of the boat because that's oh, immediate I'm death. On the boat. Good. Yeah. You Good. Know, I'm, I'm staying on the boat. I'm going to get the first revolutionary spirit. I know I'm going to love it. Good. Thank you for calling. I'm glad I helped you with the Medjugorje book. We have copies of the Medjugorje book available at fidelitypress.org. It's got taken on new relevance because guess who just went to Medjugorje? Bishop Strickland. Another strike against the judgment of this person. And probably another reason why he got kicked out of the bishopric in uh, Tyler, Texas. He went there ignoring the verdict of two previous bishops, Bishop Perich uh, and Bishop Zonich. I met both of them. They both condemned Medjugorje as fraudulent in no uncertain terms. Their verdict was confirmed by the uh, Yugoslavian Bishops' Conference, which no longer exists because Yugoslavia no longer exists. Uh, uh, this, is, this is the authority of the Catholic Church. And we got a whole group of people now that all want to be their own bishops, and you can follow them if you want. But as for me and my family, we're going to stay with uh, Rome and the bishops who are uh, appointed as successors of St. Peter and the Apostles. Okay, uh, we're kind of getting late in the show here. And there's there's actually there's a lot of questions, a lot of new people. So hello to everybody. Thanks for the questions. And we're going to try to hit some of them right now um, on Cozy. Uh, okay. No longer doing – yeah, no longer going to do the uh, call – Calls on Telegram. So uh, Colin the Crusader on Cozy asks, uh, have you ever or would you ever talk to Father James Modsley? Mod yeah, Modsley? sure uh, I would. He's, he's, been, he's been influenced by my work. He's doing good work. He's trying to work for the conversion of the Jews. So sure, I'd be happy to talk to him. All right, maybe we can get that going. Um, let's see. Um, from Michael C., uh, Dr. Jones, how do we bring back the Legion of Decency? Is it possible? No, I, it's, it's a good question. Uh, the Legion of Decency was basically the enforcement arm of the production code. If Hollywood uh, uh, went and produced films with nudity, uh, there would be boycotts, uh, and the boycotts uh, would be, were very effective. To, I, I don't think you can repeat this. The historical circumstances are not there because we don't have Catholic unity anymore. We simply do not have it. That was uh, the Legion of Decency came into being in the late 1920s, early 1930s, when we had a, a, a basically immigrant church and we had unity and we were a persecuted minority. And that's in many ways the best thing you can be in the United States of America, uh, because that's what causes unity. As soon as we got acceptance, um, 1960, John F. Kennedy, first Catholic president, Immediately, the Jesuit John Courtney Murray goes on the cover of Time magazine and wags his finger and says, now you have a place at the table. No boycotts. It was a direct reference to the Legion of Decency. And we are paying the price ever since. We tried to be nice to the Jews uh, in 1965 uh, when they brought out their code-breaking film called The Pawn Broker. Uh, and uh, the Catholic Church lost its nerve. Not only here, but in Germany as well. They lost a little early. They had their own legion of decency called the Volkswagenbund, and uh, they lost the battle over there too. Uh, if, as Sun Tzu says, I've said it many times: if you don't know who you are, and you don't, and you can't identify the enemy, you will lose every battle. And that's been the story ever since 
the end of Vatican II. I'm not contesting Vatican II. I'm saying it's a post hoc ergo propter hoc say, thing, but it's post hoc. And what happens has been a disaster for the church because we Catholics don't know who we are. We think the Jews are our friends. They're not. And we can't identify the enemy, which is the gist of what I just said today. We can't identify because anyone who says the Jews and uh, and tries to hold them accountable for their atrocious behavior, whether it's bombing children in Gaza or killing children in the womb or running pornographic uh, operations through the media, social media, uh, you're called an anti-Semite. And that's uh, that's that's toxic. And we don't have a lot of people who have the courage to simply stand up and say, no, I don't care what you call me. We're not going to go along with this anymore. From Jemmy, Dr. Jones, can you explain further on why Jews have an ancestral hatred of Russia? It goes back to the pogroms. So uh, in the 19th century, the Jews are now all on the western border of Russia. They used to be on the eastern border of Poland. The western border is open to Enlightenment thought coming from the enlightened Jews uh, from Berlin, and they immediately fall for it, and they become revolutionaries. Uh, the first dynamite ever brought into Russia was brought in by Nadia Volia, the Jewish terrorist organization, and they used it to blow up the uh, rail line. They didn't kill the czar that time, but eventually someone from Nadia Volia did kill the czar, and there was a huge eruption of anger on the part of the Russian people. Uh, there were The pogroms are dubious, okay? You can read my, if you read the Jewish revolutionary spirit, you can read what I think really happened in the Kishinev uh, pogrom, but whatever, whatever reason, the Jews started heading west, and they came, they came over here, uh, and they brought with them uh, their Jewish revolutionary spirit. And we have been suffering ever since. The United States of America have been suffering ever since. We opened our borders to these people, and they took over, and now they are tyrannizing the very people who let them in and gave them hospitality. That shows you their sense of gratitude. Uh, Dr. Jones, what's your opinion of Eisenhower's military-industrial complex speech? It was the truth. Uh, he told the truth then. Uh, uh, what, what did he say in that for people who He don't said know? that there's a threat to uh, the government as the military-industrial complex, and that's true because that's uh, they, they became so powerful. I think he said this uh, leaving office because he was part of it. He had a lot to answer for. He's one of the main architects of the Holocaust narrative. Um, and he understood what he was talking about. I guess he had a moment of remorse or lucidity and, and warned everybody against it. And the country should have taken that warning. But uh, no, no, we have Lloyd Austin now, prime representative of the military industrial complex, okay, building weapons whose main purpose is to make them rich so that they can bribe Congress into declaring war so they can use all these weapons. And it's not doing well. It's not working out well because we are over, the United States is over-invested in obsolete technologies, obsolete World War II technologies, uh, with the main example being the aircraft carrier, which is obsolete because of drones and rockets. The Russians have a caliber missile, okay, a hypersonic missile that will take out every single aircraft carrier in seconds. This is part of the 
we have that we can thank the military industrial complex for backing us into this corner and not giving us any sense of how we're going to get out of it now this is we need to call for peace we need to back off we need to stop supporting the genocide in gaza the only reason that can continue is because of united states support and i've already explained to you why the united states is supporting gaza it's because of pornography going to ipac this is a form of control and we have to do something about it by speaking up okay they are terrified just give you one example the recent conversation I had with Jason Whitlock, spoke a ton of articles. <laughs> They're all cut and paste. They were all written uh, at IPAC or, or the ADL. The Daily Beast was the first one. Everyone after that is uh, a cop, cut and paste job of the same thing, giving you the idea that there are a lot of uh, outlets. There's only one there's only one group that's protesting here, and it's the Jews. And why are they protesting? Why this time when I've been saying this for years? Okay, because Jason Whitlock is a mainstream media sports commentator, and he did committed the sin of talking to E. Michael Jones. And what happened became apparent during that conversation. I think it's still on Rumble if you want to watch it. Just look at Jason's face. When I'm saying things like talking about the founding of the NAACP as a Jewish organization that took out Marcus Garvey, the black uh, nationalist. And you can see that we're having a meeting of the minds. And I'm telling you, the biggest nightmare, the one that keeps Jonathan Greenblatt up at night is the prospect of a black Christian and a white Christian coming together and identifying the Jew as their common enemy. That keeps Jonathan Greenblatt up every night, wakes up every night in a cold sweat, thinking about that prospect and that it's exactly what happened at that moment. Where it goes from here, uh, only God knows, okay? But this is proof that Christianity is the solution to this problem. And we have a country that is generating racial antagonism to divide people so that they can divide and rule us as a divided, powerless people. Uh, from the user on Dr. Jones, uh, why do all popes after Vatican II refuse to tell the world about the Jew? Are they all compromised? No, no. It goes back to the, the, the big change First of all, the change came with uh, uh, Vatican II, Nostra Aetate, uh, and the man responsible for that was uh, Joseph Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI. He made a big impression on everyone because he took over the Vatican Council single-handedly, with, well, obviously with the helps of Germans. He was the mouthpiece of Cardinal Frings, uh, who was a revered figure at that time. Um, he was the man responsible for throwing out the Ottaviani documents. That was the original impetus for Vatican II. It portrayed the church as having two for a war on two fronts, fighting obviously the communists and the Soviet Union, but also fighting psychoanalysis in Hollywood. Well, wait a minute. What do that? What do those things have in common? That's Jewish, the Jewish revolutionary spirit. So it was America run by Jews and Bolsheviks, which was a Jewy operation. And here you had Otaviani that was all thrown out. And Ratzinger produced a completely different Americanized uh, version 
of Vatican II that has haunted us uh, since that time. Ratzinger made a big impression on Karol Wojtyla. Uh, Karol Wojtyla had his own experience because he came from Poland, which was the Paradisus Iuriorum. He played soccer with Jewish boys. And uh, in many ways, uh, the problem was he generalized from his own experience rather than being the vehicle of Catholic tradition, what, is, what you're supposed to be when you become Pope. When you become Pope, you stop using the word I, you use the word we, because there's no personality involved here. Well, his personality was so big uh, that it just burst all of the boundaries. And we got this Catholic Jewish dialogue and you got the Pope going to the wailing wall and sticking a little piece of paper in there. God knows what was on that paper. Uh, this is not the dogma of the Catholic Church. This is a policy that was created by one man out of his experience as a Polish survivor of Nazism and communism. It's not the teaching of the church. I keep insisting this. Supersessionism is the teaching of the church. We are the children of Moses. We Catholics are the children of Moses. When the bishops of the United States were confronted by Bob Sungenis in the article that was written in Culture Wars, saying that their statement in their catechism that the Mosaic Covenant was valid, when he called that a heretical statement, they backed down. And this is a tribute to the bishops and their fidelity to Catholic teaching. They Everything was pushing them to, 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 to continue this, this failed experiment called a Catholic Jewish dialogue, but when push came to shove and they had to put it in their catechism, they backed down. And they told their their hacks, the bureaucrats, to take it out, and the bureaucrats slow walked that thing for 10 years. And they're still trying to slow walk it. But the bishops did reaffirm Catholic teaching. All right, it's a little bit past six, Doc. Uh, one more? Yeah, let's have another question. All right, uh, from Militant Yay Stan, uh, he asks, Dr. Jones, any thoughts on Masonic elements of this country's founding? Yes, Freemasonry was a real thing. It was the, Freemasonry was the cutting edge of the revolutionary spirit in the 18th century. There's absolutely no question. The Marquis de Pombal, uh, the Duc de Choiseul, their influence on the Vatican, getting the Jesuits suppressed, the, the, the destruction of the uh, Jesuits in Paraguay. Uh, this was all Freemasonry. And these were the people who were basically the, the founders of our, our country. They didn't like Catholics. There was a moment where John Adams uh, heard about the suppression of the Jesuits. He wrote to Jefferson and said, shouldn't we let, they're all intelligent guys. Shouldn't we uh, bring them over here? And Jefferson said, absolutely not. Under no circumstance do we want these Catholic priests, these Jesuits here. That was Freemasonry. And it had a huge uh, impact on the United States of America. It's clear, absolutely clear. That doesn't mean it's happening now because it's an obsolete revolutionary movement. It's like saying, uh, you know, the Anabaptists are going to start a revolution in Napanee. And they're not, they're not revolutionaries anymore. The Amish are Anabaptists. They all come from that revolution and they're not revolutionaries anymore. So that's the same thing with the guys in their fezes riding, their, riding in their go-karts. The, the revolution has passed them by. 
All right, there we have it. This has been another episode of EMJ Live. Once again, for those who have stumbled on us, every Friday at 5 Eastern Standard Time, if you have not already, subscribe to Culture Wars Magazine at culturewars.com. And all the books uh, Dr. Jones has written can be found only at fidelitypress.org. Make sure to subscribe to Telegram, the Cozy, BitChute, Gab, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, I have no announcements. Dr. Jones, final words. Yeah, I. I there are people out there who will... Uh, coach you and they'll you know they'll take you in and teach you how to be a man you know and lots of times it involves lifting weights i have nothing against lifting weights okay at my age you have to lift weights otherwise your body disappears you get your muscles all atrophy and so on and so i got nothing against that okay that's a program that these guys have and they people know that they have to submit to this discipline I'm not in that business. I don't, I don't coach you. I don't teach you how to lift weights. You probably know better than I do, but there's something that I do preach and that is reading. If you want to up your game, you have to read. And if you want to up your game after that, you can start writing about what you read and write letters to the editor or something like that. That's the only way this is going to make a lasting impression on you because otherwise it's just going to be one podcast after another. If you're not reading you're not up in your game. And so go to fidelitypress.org and start reading. Pick out the book that you find most interesting. And we will, our discussions will reach a new level of sophistication once you do that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. God bless. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>